Hello, everyone, and welcome to this impromptu Outriders podcast. I am the co-host of this show, uh, Mr. Chris Riley. The host is here as well. Chris, say hello. Hello. And uh, I'm here. I'm your co-host, like I said, Mr. James Units-Taylor, the Warhammer hero, and Simon's Bane. And we're here at Battle for Birmingham. Chris, we finally made it. We're finally here. It's been a long time coming, James. It has been a long time coming. The entire country is running for the hills with coronavirus, but we've gone to Birmingham to play with some of the dirtiest people mankind can summon. Outriders' victory stops for nothing. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, we only have to beat bottom 20 to uh, exceed our expectations from last time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a bit of an impromptu cast, so maybe not as much editing for this. I don't know. It depends what you feel like. Um, but we'll start by talking about the scoring system. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so looking through the pack, there's, there's, there's apparently up to a total of 60 tournament points uh, for the event, so overall. Um, so just reading through that, players will score tournament points depending on how many victory points they have managed to score during each game from the primary, secondary and tertiary missions. So basically they add up the victory points for each player scored during the game and work out the difference between the two scores. So similar to what we do at the Outriders. Yeah, it's very similar to that, yeah, but it's a it's a different type of tournament point system rather than a 20 it's 12 and 1 as a max. Yeah. And interesting as well that it's out of 60 points, which is your five games, if you get a crushing win, which is a victory points of more than 10 points. So different to the Outriders because we obviously measure things like painting and sportsmanship, whereas that's not taken into account here, is it? No, this is pure game points. So what are the categories then? What are the, what's the points difference that people need to look out for here? Uh, so victory point difference of zero to three uh, is a game result of a draw, uh, which is six tournament points each. Um, so in practice yesterday, uh, which would have been the 12th, 13th, something like of March, whatever it is at the moment, uh, Matt Slyn and I played uh, a, a game and I beat Matt by three points, which is exactly what happened when I played Ken at Birmingham last year. So that actually, if Matt, you're listening to this, we would have had a draw. Um, which would have been six points each. So a three-point loss is actually considered a draw, which is worth remembering for everybody not to give up and just keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing to remember as well is if you are the one three points higher, you're the, the winning side of that draw. So, you know, it does benefit you longer term as well. Absolutely. What's the next one down then? So one by more than three points. Uh, so it's four to six bracket, uh, which is a game result of minor win, minor loss. Uh, so that's eight points for the winner and four points for the loser. So that's now a pretty respectable score. If you got um, eight points for your five games, um, that's 40 points. That would be a really, really good finish, I think. 40 points would be a really good finish for a good player out of 60. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then we've got a seven to nine VP difference, um, which is a major win slash major loss. Uh, that's 10 for the winner and two for the loser. Yeah, I, f- I found this a bit strange, actually, because um, looking at the, the scoring here, if you win by seven points, you get 10 points. If you win by more than 10, so you could crush someone 20 or 30 points up and only get a couple of extra tournament points for it. So it's nice that they've stopped people running away with that, but it also makes you, you know, if you get a massive crushing victory, you can stop playing, really. <laughs> if you're going to finish with more yeah. than 10, you can stop. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Um, the other thing to note on there is victory point difference will be used in the event of a tie on tournament points. If you decide to concede, then you will score zero tournament points and zero victory points. Uh, your opponent will score 12 tournament points and 20 victory points, so basically giving them the full win um, unless they have already scored more than 20 at the point you concede. So that's there's only one person in the Outriders that concedes regularly. Cough, cough, ant. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, um, so, yeah, no, in all seriousness, I can't see any of us conceding. Um, we generally play to the final whistle, but um, that's good. It's, good. it's good that they're giving you big wins, but you do wonder if there's room for abuse in that system as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, uh, I did notice underneath this actually, it says that D uh, any cards that generate DV victory points will be worth two, and cards that uh, generate D six will be worth four. So if you're achieving domination, you're getting an automatic four points, which is quite good. Yeah, that, that's that's really good because if. I've lost count of the amount of games where D3 victory points or D6 victory points pops up and you roll and you end up with one, right? And, and you need the three or the two just to help you keep up or get ahead. So averaging it out can't be bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, we, we've all played games. and I'm sure everyone can recall half a dozen games they've played where they've scored a lot of D3 cards and it's been a point and then their opponent has scored D3 cards and it's been three points and the swing is so huge. You know, if you're achieving something like supremacy or, you know, um, uh, no prisoners and you've killed three units, then not getting rewarded for that kind of sucks. So I really like that. Yeah. I really like that, that they put that in there. No, absolutely, mate. Um, Mission-wise, what have we got mission-wise? So game one, which is from 9.30 to half 12 tomorrow. Uh, So for those of you that don't know, uh, Battlefield Birmingham missions follow uh, a different format to us. So there are essentially two missions in one game. So the primary mission is called Eternal War, the Four Pillars. And um, the secondary mission is Disruptive Tactics. So for those of you probably remember four pillars, you have four objectives 15 inches from the center line towards the corners. Uh, you get um, as troops can hold them at the end of the battle round, and you also get kill more in that mission as well. And disruptive tactics, I believe you draw three cards um, from the top of your deck, show them to your opponent, and they get to place one at the bottom of your pile. So you're play- essentially playing two missions at once, and on top of that, you've got Slay the Warlord, First Strike, Line Breaker, and like I said, No Prisoners. So there is a chance to score quite and big number of points on this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the key one there is is remembering, you know, troops are the thing to score. So maybe the wise thing to do would be pick off your opponent's troops. But again, it depends on what other threats they've got as well, doesn't it? It does indeed. And it's worth pointing out that if you've got um, units that have things like um, objective secured, um, or Lehman Russes have a, a similar rule, then that does not count for four pillars. Only troops can hold those objectives. Uh, absolutely. Apart from, you know, so, so for the four pillars element of that mission, absolutely. For the Maelstrom of War, then yes, they do count. Mm. Yeah, the Maelstrom, obviously, it does count. But for the actual four pillars themselves, I think there was some... Um, yeah. I think there was something in the club recently where someone had claimed objectives using uh, a similar objective secured rule, and it, it does not count for this mission, so it's worth remembering tomorrow. If you haven't got any troops, you ain't going to score well. <laughs> no, absolutely. The, the other thing to remember is it's uh, modified for the addition of objectives five and six. Um, so for four pillars, one, two, three, and four are the active four mm. pillars objectives. Five and six don't count towards four pillars. They only count towards the maelstrom. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, game two, 
we're looking at a primary of eternal war scorched earth um modified to not remove objectives of maelstrom uh secondary is covert maneuvers tertiary is slay the ward first strike and line breaker as per so have you have you played any test games for game two i, I haven't it's the one i haven't done no, so for me, the only test games I've done is game one and game five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever, whoever I've faced or whatever we've rolled, it's always been game one or game five. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so looking at this then, um, so there's a tactical objective modifier here. At the start of each battle round after the first, if there is a player with fewer victory points than their opponent, then for the rest of the battle um, round, all tactical objectives that a player puts into play can be faced downwards. So if you draw a card and you don't want your opponent to see what they are, that's quite a nice little touch if you want to be a bit sneaky and a bit Eldari. Yeah, it kind of helps um, if, if, you're coming, if you're coming from behind. Where you, um, <laughs> if you're coming from behind on the points, um, then it, it does help to stop your opponent from trying to counter you, you know, so... Usually, I know from my own sense, if I'm looking at what my opponent's got, I'm also thinking how to stop them gaining points as well as myself gaining points. So um, you're taking sort of half of that away. Yeah. So as the player ahead, you're only able to sort of think about how you're gaining points. You can try and guess what your opponent's going for, but, you know, it's, it's a complete guess at that point. Yeah, I like you can raise them as well. And I mean, <clears throat> I know they've modified it, so the objective is destroyed but remains... Um, for the purposes yeah. of uh, Maelstrom, but I like that you can destroy them for three victory points instead of one. I can see a lot of people doing that in turns four and five. Um, or if you really, really, really cheeky, doing it on the first turn, if someone deploys very defensively and blowing up their objectives so they can't score, for, <laughs> that could yeah. be a big, big catch. It's important to note as well, this is uh, progressive objective scoring as well. So each time you sit on an objective, you get one victory point for that objective. I love those. They're my favourite. So it's, it's just another way of gaining points again, isn't mm. it? It's something to always be con conscious of. Um, what have we got? Game three. Yep, so this goes on until 7.30 tomorrow night. So the objective in this one will be to be tabled for quite quickly and then go for an early <laughs> dinner. Or, or head Absolutely. to the pub. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so, Eternal War is the primary, dominate and destroy. And that's dominate the battlefield. Each player scores one victory point at the end of each of their turns um, for every objective marker they control. So you potentially could score uh, six points a turn, I believe there, which would be huge if you can do it. Domination good. every turn, quite hard to achieve, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um and male secondary is Maelstrom of War confined command. Um I don't know what that does. I can't remember what that does. Um Confined Command. Bear with me like two oh, seconds. Here it is. At the start of each player's movement phase, the opponent can select one tactical objective that the player has in play. That tactical objective should return to the owning player's hand and they can put a different objective. So Matt and I played this yesterday. And uh, on the okay. first turn, I put down the uh, Supremacy card, so it's worth two points. Matt then told me to put it back in my hand. I think what a smarter tactic would have been is to put down something that scored a point, get him to put that in the hand, and then have put down Supremacy. So for players, you know, for our guys coming, you don't necessarily want to put down your best card. You might want to play it a bit cheeky and put down something scorable, but maybe that's only worth a point. 
Absolutely. I can't remember who... I played this against someone down the club quite recently. I think it might have been either Ashley Langford or Aaron mm-hmm. Masters. I was definitely played one of them with it. And I absolutely use that tactic. You put down something that um, sounds like it's going to be, you know, achievable. And they'll chuck it back into your hands. So you, you can pull out then your big guns with regards to objectives and, you know, use that to score it. The other thing to consider is of your three objectives that you're placing into play, one of them can be face down. So if there's something that you can't score, chances are stick that face down and your opponent will think, hmm, what they've got under there, right? So, so generally they tend to pick the one face down to go back in your hand, in which case you can whack out your uh, big scoring So card. is that is that um, putting an objective card face down, is that something that's in the game rules or is that, an, is that a stratagem? Uh, no, that, that's in the game rules. So, so with the way that the Maelstrom cards are drawn at the minute, you draw five into your hand, right, and you put three into play. Um, of those three, one of them can be face down. Okay, so that's a real. You can be really tricksy with that and 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 mess with people, uh, which is quite nice. Absolutely. And there's one thing actually that's also worth mentioning here at this point is the objectives. Unlike the outriders, objectives are not pre-placed. So something no. that we're probably not very good at as a club, I would think, because we don't do it. Um, but you are going to end up with a lot of people placing objectives, maybe in areas where they're not going to be able to access them. So, for example, I think Ant's got knights. He's going to have to be really careful if they're in or around buildings because he's not going to be able to get to them with his with his heavy hitters unless he's got a possessed bomb to do it. Um, I have similar problems <laughs> um, with, with low floors of ruins because I can't get my bikes in there. Uh, so it's worth bearing in mind, you've got to think about where you place the objectives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so game four, Sunday morning. Do you want to do this one, Chris? Yeah, I'll run for it. So the primary on game four is Eternal War Crusade, so season control. Um, so that is starting from the second battle round. Each player scores one victory point for each objective marker they control at the start of their turn. A player controls an objective marker if they have more models in three inches than the opponent does. Um, the secondary is Maelstrom of War Critical Objective. So at the start of each player's turn, before putting any tactical objective into play, that player can select one tactical objective from their discard pile and shuffle it back into their objective. I like that. I really like that. Um, if you if you drew, let's say, Supremacy early on, you know you can't do it, but later on in the game you can. It's nice that you might be able to get that back in play. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then obviously tertiary is Slay the Water First Strike and Line. Yeah, that's right. Um it's pretty pretty standard old school, isn't it, in the ITC they call it. Yeah. last last year they had um no prisoners throughout the entire pack. Um which obviously is a four mm. pillars uh, objective. So I'm I'm kinda happy to see that they've not continued that this time because I think that's potentially like caused some confusion mm. last time. Yeah, it's good that it's gone. I think I've never been a fan of kill points. I think it encourages encourages people no. to play a different style that I personally don't like. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I'd rather play tactically than just flat out yeah, kill everything. smash stuff. <laughs> Although I like how they've yeah. done it nowadays, where it's done on if you've killed more in a round. Um, that's yeah, ge- that's generally good. If you if you lose six or seven units from an MSU army, you're only giving up one point instead of six or seven. Which has happened to me in the past. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not nice when that happens. Yeah. The, the other thing is as well, uh, you know, if if they go too hard hit and they're too early on, they eventually run out of the opportunity to consistently achieve that. Kill more. Yeah, people. and we've seen people, haven't we? In the past, <clears throat> we've seen people deliberately try and get units killed 
when they've lost a unit to minimize yeah. the next turn's casualties, um, which I've Absolutely. done to people in the past. I love doing that to people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a smart tactic when that's like a live objective, you know? So it's, it's mm. one thing to do, I think. The last game of the day, last game of the weekend, I should say, before we go home back to reality. Do you want to do this one as well? Yeah. So so this is probably one of my favourite ones. I think it's a Battlefield Birmingham sort of classic because uh, it's been in every pack I've looked at. Um, Eternal War, Big Guns Never Tire, so modified Big Guns. Um, so basically it's modified because they've added Objective 5 and 6 back in. Um, so basically you've got to set up Objectives 1, 2, 3 and 4 before setting up 5 and 6. Um, at the end of the game, victory points will be awarded to player controls. Um, uh, player controls Objective 3 or more. Um, so Objectives 1 to 4 are worth 3 victory points each. Um, but key thing to remember as well is with big guns, there's key positions and modified destroyed mm. big guns. So key positions is heavy support, um, gain of sec, basically. Um, so that's an important thing to remember because destroy the big guns um, is modified. So before the game, each player will nominate the force organization slot, heavy support, HQ, etc. they wish to destroy, rather than being set to only heavy support like it would normally. So, so that's the really key thing to emphasize. Destroy the big guns. You can pick the force org slot that you want to destroy. Key positions is still heavy support. Uh, okay, that's worth knowing. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, again, if, if we're not paying attention or if your opponent's not paying attention then that that key positions one could be misinterpreted based on the modified yeah and i believe um someone was it paul played this the other day or somebody played this the other day and, and won the game by a landslide because of this very reason um, um I, I played against uh, that Sam, was it yeah so, so yeah so, so i played against Sans possess bomb um, and actually, Maelstrom-wise, so the Maelstrom mission, this is Ambitious Search, so that's the one where um, your opponent selects one of your in-play tactical objectives, and if it's achieved in that turn, you get an additional victory mm. point. Um, so, so with regards to the Maelstrom mission, we were relatively neck and neck. It was like two or three points in it each turn, and in some turns, it was quite high scoring. So at the end of the game, it was looking about 30-30. But the, diff- the thing is, at the end of that game, I think Ant lost sight of the fact there's end of game scoring through Eternal War, and I was sitting on yeah. all the objectives, uh, which gave me like a nice mm. sort of twelve point lead. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so so that was a nice. So that would have been like a ten plus victory point difference, obviously giving me a crushing victory. Okay. So one one other thing I want to touch on um, with the uh, Battle of Birmingham. Um, obviously, our terrain at our club has become. It's definitely been upgraded. It's not fully finished, I think it's fair to say, but infinitely better than it used to be on the days of hedges and low fences. Um, what's the terrain like at Birmingham, Chris? What can we expect? Uh, so, according to the pack, all terrain will be prefixed on the battlefield when you arrive at your table. So, it, it does give you an option to um, move it back if it feels like it's been pushed out of position. Um, generally it's quite balanced right it's it's quite consistent so you know sort of think um, is it Nova where they do sort of some sort of consistent mm. terrain layouts um, there's some good sort of line of sight blocking stuff uh, the other key thing as well is that they tend to um, block line of sight on bottom level of yes. rooms 
yeah, that's something. And, and when I've played here before, the train does tend to have, they do tend to have a fair bit of loss blocking for low level on some boards anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, what was it? There's about 110 people-ish. So, um, yeah, so that's about 50-odd tables, 55 tables. So um, it's, it's a lot of terrain to sort of have and maintain. So some tables are likely to be more favourable than others with regards to line of Okay, good, good. Um, and last thing probably want to mention before the weekend starts is what uh, prizes. I don't know if you've got the paperwork there for prizes. I, uh, ha- I have got it here. Sorry. I haven't got it. Sorry, just one thing, mm-hmm. one last thing on terrain. I think it's worth mentioning. Um, so in chapter approved 19, um, to kind of counter the magic boxes ruin, so the completely sealed ruin uh, that people will rely on to dump units in, they've actually got a new um, terrain type called sealed frontier yes. structure. So just to wrap through that quickly, um, it's when a model targets an enemy infantry unit that has all of its models within three inches of a sealed frontera structure, the target unit receives the benefit of covering the shooting phase um, if the shooting model is closer to the sealed frontera structure than it is to the target, and the target is at least partially obscured from the point of view of the model sh- shooting. Um, the other thing to mention is units do not receive the benefit of cover when they're on top of a sealed frontera structure. Their position is too exposed. And then only infantry, beasts and swarms and units that can fly can be set up or in the move on top of a sealed so frontera structure. No unit can go inside the No unit can go in the... Okay, so a sealed structure then a magic box. They've gone. So people either play it as traditional ruins or as a sealed structure which blocks line of sight, but you can't actually get cover from otherwise. Yeah, so, so to me, if it's if it's a box, if it's not like clearly a ruin, if it's a literal box, then play it as a sealed from terror structure mm. in my mind, because then nothing's moving inside of it. There's, you know, you don't need to rely on line of sight, ignoring le- uh, weapons to pick it off. Um, you're not, you know, kind of getting caught off guard with the Raven Guard, Centurion Charger. No, that's fair enough. Okay. So... Cool. So yeah, let's let's jump on to uh, prizes as you say. Prizes, loot. Because last year, what did we win last time we came here? I think we got um, best sportsman. Simon Rook got best sportsman. I have to say that I hate saying that. It's like having a needle stuff in my eye. Um, but he did. He did. To be fair to him, he did really well to win that. And I believe we had a couple of best in factions. Um, uh, no, I think Stephen Cutler actually won a nomination award for best um, painted. Yeah, yeah, you're painting. right. He did, didn't he? Yeah, I knew there was something we'd got. So that's really good. Um, so what have we got? Have, have you got the rules pack there? Can you see this? Yeah, yeah. So best in faction. Um, so to qualify in best in faction, um, your wardle must be from the chosen faction, and you must spend at least fifteen hundred points of the two thousand point limit on from the chosen faction. Uh, yeah, to basically be eligible. Um, so there's twenty three best in faction prizes to give away. Uh, some similar factions are combined. You can win best faction for any of the following factions. Um, so rattling that off is Space Marines, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Grey Knights, Space Wolves, Death Watch, Adeptus Sororitas, Adeptus Mechanicus, Imperial Renegade Knights, Curse Space Marines, Curse Demons, Orcs, Assyriani, Drukhari, Gene Silicolts, Harlequins, Town Empire, Necrons, Tyrannids, Death Guard, Adeptus Custodes, Thousand Sons, Astra Militarum. Okay. And Inari will fall under either Assyriani or Drukhari. Okay. So best in faction is something that everyone can play for, not just the top 
six or ten players at the event. Absolutely. I'm going for Ed. Uh, well, I'm not eligible year. for one, but I have won yeah. one in the past for guard. So I have, I have got a mini skull dildo at home, which I'm sure I'm sure Steph would Nicely be delighted done. to have in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so also here we've got first, second, third and best painted and most sporting. Uh, there is spot prizes as well. I don't know if you've seen this in the rule pack. Um, so there will be two each round and every player can only win one. They will be awarded to the first two players to be totally wiped out in a game. Um, so won one of these, uh, which was not the last time I came, but I believe the time before uh, where I played Gaz Jones, who's an ETC player, for those who don't know. He's a very good player. And he beat me fairly comfortably. And end of turn one, I realised I was going to lose. So I deliberately tried to get myself killed. I was charging into all kinds of horrible situations. Uh, turns out afterwards, I did actually get a dice bag as a prize uh, but it turns out afterwards he did have 500 points too many models so i actually ended up being awarded the win as well um but those are really cool because i think um anyone can win a dice bag and i think did, did someone else did ant win one last year uh did manny give him one year. or uh no. conrad malik no, yeah no, somebody malik. had um had, had gifted him one <laughs> um, um so there's also <laughs> best team we've got a couple of outriders teams haven't we chris yeah, there's two. There's uh, obviously yourself, myself, Steve Cutler and Ken, and the, the Outriders MK. And then, I can't remember exactly, so guys, forgive me if I get this wrong, but Matt Slim, Pete Slim, I think okay. Mikey and Ant are in the team, and they are the um, the better Outriders. So they're the B team. Vengeance. <laughs> they're the B team. They're the B team. They're the, they're, they're the sequel. They're, they're not slightly not as good sequel. <laughs> um, okay, so other awards. There's Fluffiest Army. This is awarded to the person we feel has put uh, the army most in keeping with their chosen faction or simply the one we, the organisers, like the most in terms of idea, form and execution. Yeah, that, that's a great one. That is literally a fluffy unicorn as a prize. It is beautiful. It, what a great idea. For Much a, coveted, apparently, according to the rules pack. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing I think they do is like at the very bottom of this uh, prize section, um, they've got mm -hmm. the 40k pimp leader. Um, so, so basically, whoever is currently in first place in each round will be made to wear the 40k purple pimp hat for the duration of the game um, to show they're the current leader of the event. Yeah. <laughs> that is a And I believe Ant did know. wear this last year, did he not? I, I don't know, because I don't remember he smashed his first opponent and he did shoot he right did, up to top and then table. shot right back down again. <laughs> Although, to be fair to him, anyone playing against Malik would have probably had the same result. Um, uh, there is one oh, more yeah, here, absolutely. the Prince Volton Award. Um, this is to be awarded to the player who has the victory points difference closest to zero by the end of the weekend. So if people are keeping track of their scores, and maybe if you're not doing very well in your last game, you can try and play for that. If uh, if you're ahead by a few or below by, try and manipulate your score to get get close to that if you can. Try and win something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite an interesting one. I mean, it would be very difficult to get zero bang on, but you know, how would you do that? It's sort of like two and three. Well, somebody three should. Two. Somebody should. Somebody should get very <laughs> close to it. Um, and that, and that it does say here the closest yeah. to zero. So if you're plus five, that might be enough. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, the other one is the free oh, raffle. Oh, yes. Love a raffle. So it's, yeah, so, so they have a 6x4 deep cut studio battle mat and carry case, um, which is literally, as it says on the tin, a free raffle for anyone. Uh, yeah, they give you out a ticket, don't they, at the start of the weekend. 
if memory serves, and yeah. then at the end of the event thing, the awards they do it. I can't remember who won it last time, but I seem to remember the same person won quite a lot. <laughs> um, I, I think um, I think the guy he got his uh, young son, oh, yeah. son was like ten years old or something to go and uh, pick um, a raffle ticket out of the hat. I think because he was yeah. the youngest guy in the room, he got volunteered. Um, and funny enough, the ticket oh, that's that actually out a really nice dad. story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, really nice chat for them on the way home as well. I had uh, the journey home uh, with you, Chris, in the car. And we had Simon Rook in the back, gently caressing us with a massive skull dildo uh, the entire journey back from Birmingham. <laughs> so thank God that coronavirus is wiping out humanity and Simon is unable to come so that we don't have to put up with that again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we did say last time he'd either get kicked out of the event or he'd yeah, win, we, uh, did. Sports we did team, say that, so, didn't we? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, fair enough okay so let's try and do another podcast on the saturday night um to just update people if we if we're not too knackered that is that's going to be tiredness depending um yeah. but hopefully we'll touch base with people over the next week and let we know how we how the outriders got on at battlefield birmingham um so anything else just sign off then i guess chris and i just want to say uh, good luck tomorrow hope you do really well I hope I do. And yeah, Simon do Rook, make... Delende Est, which means Simon Rook must be destroyed in Latin, <laughs> which is how I intend to end every <laughs> podcast from now on. <laughs> no, fair enough, mate. Hello to the committee. Hello to the committee.